Welcome to The Pickup. I'm Will Lewis, and today's guest is Anna Tyree, all the way from the great state, country of Great Britain. Anna, welcome to The Pickup. Oh, thank you very much. It's lovely uh, to be here with you again, Will. Oh, very good to talk to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thank you. Anna, start us off by telling us, how did you get started in voice acting? Um, so a little while ago, I did quite a few years ago, actually, now. Time ticks on, doesn't it? Um, I did a Tomb Raider fan film and uh, a fan of that film who was also a director thought that I had a great voice um, and asked because he was doing, he was making up a new computer game kind of idea and asked if I would be the voice for that computer game. Um, and that was called Lunatics. And so so I he used me initially for that. And that, that was the first time I really sampled doing voiceover work. Um it's something that I'd love to do a lot more of, actually, but it's very difficult. I don't know what it's like over there in, in the States, but over here it's very difficult to get into. Um, and then I started just kind of putting myself out there to help any any writers who needed a voice. And that's when I came across you, Will. And, um, and yeah, and then I worked with you. And that's all I've really done. I haven't done that much in terms of voiceover work, mm -hmm. to be honest, because like I say, it's very difficult to get into over here. You haven't done that much yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Anna, uh, rumor has it that you worked on a cruise ship for a little while. Yes, that's true. Now, that was a that was a ship that went from where to where? So, I did two ships. Um, it was two years in total. Uh, the first ship, it was always based in Southampton, so we always came back to Southampton turnaround, but we did a lot of... Norway cruises, Mediterranean cruises. Um, at one point, I did a three-month cruise around uh, Asia, around Africa and back. Mm -hmm. um, we did uh, a three-week cruise over to the States and Canada, um, Iceland, Greenland, all those kind of places. So two years on a ship. Two years, yeah. Living in a closet. What was that like? <laughs> it was the best time and the worst time all rolled into one. When you're when you're at sea, anyone who's who's been at sea for a period of time will understand this. Everything's kind of accentuated, so your relationships are very different than they would be at home because the people you work with, you also live with and socialize with. Um, so it can make friendships really strong. Uh, it can also make things very fractious. So we had the most amazing parties. And what I loved about parties on the ship is that you didn't have to worry about getting a taxi home <laughs> mm -hmm. um, or whether your shoes were uncomfortable because you didn't have to walk very far. Mm -hmm. Also, everything's very, very cheap when you're working on a ship. Um, it's, it's very cheap to party and have a good time. And then, of course, you're getting to see the, the wonderful places that you're traveling to. If you're lucky enough, like me, to be um, part of the show company, then you have quite a lot of time free in the day to go and explore the places that you're visiting. So it was one huge adventure. But then the downside of that also is you can't get off and you, you don't really feel like you have any control. You are living with your bosses and they decide all the time what you're doing and when you're doing it. Um, mm. You can't get away from that ever, and you're always on show. So the only time you are able to just be yourself is in your cabin. It's not a very big space, and of course, um, missing home. There's no um, no ability to really use your mobile phone at sea or to connect to the internet. If you do, it's very expensive and it's not a very a very good connection. So you really feel cut off from the world, and if you're ever feeling down, that can be really um, exaggerated because of that. Um, isolation as it were 
So you say you're always on show. So does that mean if you want to go, let's say, to the kitchen to get yourself something to eat, you're always in character? You're always an employee of the of the ship? Yeah, not necessarily a character. I mean, I don't know what it's like on different ships. But um, for me, I was just a, a singer with the show company. So if I went out um, on deck or I wanted to go and uh, eat, then you're just you're putting across the face because you're always with your customers. So you have to kind of behave yourself. As I'm generally very well behaved anyway, but you have to always look happy and smiley and speak That's to not people. What I heard. <laughs> well, you know, we all have off days. <laughs> um, but yeah, generally you're just you're always with your customers and so you can never quite relax. And even if you choose to go to what's called the officer mess, which is the, um, the, the dining room just for the officers and the, the employees, you're still on show because you're still with your superiors and you're still with your, your bosses and they're all kind of watching mm-hmm. you and making sure you're behaving appropriately. And mm-hmm. So sometimes you just need a break from that and you just feel like it's you need to like get away. Sometimes you, a really good disguise would have come in handy sometimes. So. Yes, yes, it would. And, the, you know, the worst thing is if you get sick at sea, if you get sick at sea, because obviously it's a very confined space, they want to protect everybody, you go into isolation and nobody's allowed to come and see you and you're not allowed to see anybody and you get confined to your cabin. So you kind of just hope that you're not sick for too long because people come, they, they bring you food and they're in proper suits <laughs> to make sure they don't get infected. Oh, really? um, like, yeah, so it's really miserable. If you get really sick at sea, it's very miserable. <laughs> like the full Ebola breather mask yep, type thing? Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> okay. So wh- what was your first paid gig ever? My first paid gig, I played Jasmine in a touring pantomime of Aladdin. Um, and I, I'm a Disney freak, so that was like the best gig to get as my first job. So I thoroughly loved being a Disney princess. And how old were you when you got that one? I would have been um, 20, 21 maybe. Now, I'm not familiar with Aladdin. I, I have, I'm ashamed to admit <gasps> I've never seen the... Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> so Jasmine is the romantic lead opposite the... Yeah. Whatever his name is. Yeah, Jasmine is the princess. And um, Aladdin is a, a poor boy um, who is just homeless and living on the streets and... And he falls in love with the princess and he finds a, a lamp that um, is a magic lamp. And, Ro- and Robin Williams comes out. He does. Yeah. He does. <laughs> okay. What, what is your, tell us about your approach to accents, because I hear you can do a, a, a hell of a uh, American accent and we may actually get a sample from you. Oh my gosh. How, how do you set those up? Um, well, uh, listening is, is generally the, the best way forward when it comes to accents. Um, what I tend to do is try to isolate exactly what the main differences are in terms of different vowels or um, like in American, for example, you guys will say your R a lot more than we do here. Um, and once I know what those exact things are, then it's finding the tuning. So you just have to listen to lots of examples. And, and YouTube is great for those kind of things. You just have to type in whichever accent you want. And generally, you can find hundreds and thousands of videos of people with those accents um, but <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of accents that are very hard and I would never profess to be able to do. Um, I just recently did a show where I had to do an American accent and I had a lot of Americans come to see the show and it was, it's quite nerve wracking actually. Cause you're thinking, is this a good accent or is this just me being horrible? <laughs> Can you give us a line? Okay. So, um, the show I just did, I was playing Audrey Anderson 
and I was very much into my gardening and I grew my tomatoes, but I had a problem with them because they were green, they would not ripen. So I had this little trick where I'd expose myself every day to my tomatoes to try to make them blush with embarrassment. <laughs> now, it did nothing for my tomatoes, but my cucumbers grow great and strong. Yeah, I bet the neighbors really liked you too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, the one thing I noticed, the, the, the most... The, the thing that stood out the most the most to me about that accent is that your your pace slowed your words slowed Did, are you was that a, a conscious thing or, or or is it just sort of what comes out naturally as you try to hit as you said the you know all the vowels and the consonants correctly uh, yeah I think it's a little bit of both I think it's um making sure I'm slowing down I guess to think about what I'm saying as I'm saying it so my vowels don't slip um but then I guess it's what I just gave you there was a, a touch of my character that I've just been playing and she was very much um, a kind of touchy, feely, tactile kind of character and she was very seductive and so she did speak quite slowly anyway. So it's a little bit of a character choice there as well. Okay. All right. Very good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> now, what you are, and this is going to be helpful for me too, because I, I know that you teach elocution. Am I saying that right? Yes, that's right. Elocution. E-L-O-C-U-T-I-O-N. Yes, that's right. Correct? Mm -hmm. Tell us what that is. Um, elocution is just the art of speaking well, really. Um, it's changed over the years. Uh, a long time ago, decades ago, it used to be uh, about how you held yourself and how you sat and, and how you ate and and the kinds of things that you'd say. But now it's as far as most people are concerned, it's just really about how you speak. Um, and that goes from everything from breathing properly to standing up properly so you can produce good voice, um, projecting your voice, as well as then working the articulators. So that, that those are your lips, your teeth, your tongue, um, to make sure that you produce all the sounds correctly. Um, now, uh, when I'm teaching, I tend to either teach English people who have a very strong accent, maybe they're from up up the north of England or um, they might be from Newcastle or Liverpool or somewhere that's got a strong accent or here in London. Um, or I teach people from another country who either want to sound more standard English when they're speaking with um, in the English language or they want to keep their own accent but they just want to be clearer because they mumble. Um, or perhaps they, I've got some people who have a, a lisp so the trouble pronouncing certain sounds, they might have a weak R or they might hiss when they speak. Um, yeah, so different things really. I've got, I've got a few stutterers as well. So it's just breaking everything down and helping them to produce sound properly. Now, there are a lot of movie actors who could probably use a few of your lessons because, <laughs> they, you know, some of these A-listers, you know, like, I'm not going to name any. No, so. no, don't. <laughs> <laughs> But some of them have been criticized for not, you know, enunciating their lines very well and just sort of mumbling through scenes. So Well, it seems to be the fashion, doesn't it? It seems to be that kind of having that gruff, mumbly kind of voice seems to be the fashion for movies at the moment. Okay, so I think what I just heard you say is elocution started out years ago, decades ago, as maybe like manners you would teach to a deputant? Yes, yeah, like etiquette. So it was etiquette, all kind of right, all put together, etiquette and elocution. It was all about how you behaved. 
Right. But now nobody cares so much what sort of forks you use when you sit at the dining table. So now it's all about the way you speak. Mm-hmm. More or less. Yeah, especially because the world is becoming a smaller place and because we're all communicating across the globe, I think Mm -hmm. people just want to be able to be understood and especially in business, you know, business is growing day on day and people want, it's more and more competitive and people want to come across well. So when they're phoning different countries, they want to be able to put across what they want to say very clearly and very quickly and efficiently. Mm -hmm. And I think that is doubly important for voice actors because... You know, unlike uh, film actors or theater actors, we don't have any visual aids to, that we can use to help tell the story. Oh, absolutely. You know, everything depends on our voice mm-hmm. and, and, and being able to relay the, you know, the character's feelings and actions through, you know, solely through our, our voice. And so I think that, you know, if you've got, if you're a voice actor and you have the Harrison Ford problem, I don't think you're going to get very many gigs. <laughs> you're not, probably not going to do so well. But yeah. tell us, Anna, how do you balance your busy acting career with your elocution business? Well, the elocution is completely uh, flexible because I work one-on-one generally with people. So I just book them in my diary um, with the clause that they know that I'm an actor. And if work comes up, if auditions come up, then I must rearrange. Um, to be honest with you, actually, I, I've been moving away from from teaching a little bit more to focus more on the acting because things have started happening more in that direction. And I have created an elocution online product so that my students don't feel I've completely deserted them. Um, and okay. this is going to be available in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's basically I've put everything down in video format and audio format and there's uh, workbooks and everything and people can still continue to work um, okay. remotely, as as it were. Right. With, without me. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, maybe you can share that information at the end of our interview with, with some of our listeners who might be interested in, in, in your uh, service. Absolutely. So... You've been involved with quite a few projects over the years. I mean, you've done everything from Lara Croft to the sexy Jessica Rabbit. <laughs> and tell us, tell us right now, what, what what's the hottest thing you're working on right now? The hottest or the hardest? Well, how about both? <laughs> what? what What's the what's the what are you working on? What what are some of the things you're working on right now? You were okay. I remember Back to the Future is a, is a very recent project. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. Well, Back to the Future finished last week, um, so I'm kind of still in the post show blue um, section <laughs> at the moment, missing the cast yeah. and the still the, thinking about the rap party. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a very very ambitious project. It's actually coming over to the states. Um, very soon and we um basically i don't know how much i should say but um basically we built hill valley and it was on this huge plot in stratford in london and um, nobody knew quite what to expect because that's the that's the format of secret cinema is everything is a secret until they get there and experience it um there were 70 actors or just over 70 actors on board we had all the vehicles and we had a complete um facade of the town hall and we had functioning shops we had a functioning radio station we had a functioning television studio we had a post office we you could hire bikes all these different things there was a high school and a high school dance and um, Lou's Diner was all up and running we had a fairground we had a farm with animals 
Um, so it was a completely immersive experience and the audience would arrive around five o'clock and the experience would go on till you could stay until midnight, one o'clock in the morning. So it was a very full on experience for anyone coming along. Um, and the actors, it's one of the hardest jobs I've done in the sense that we're on show from five um, and you are continuously, you're just improvising the whole time. You've got your character, you've got your history, you've got your connections throughout the town, but you're just improvising. Everything, every show is completely different. It just depends what the audience brings to you, what ideas the actors come up with and throw at you and you just go with it. And so some days I was divorcing my husband, other days I was having affairs with um, the headmaster, <laughs> all these different things were going on. Um, I mean, you needed some help with your garden. What were you going to do? Well, yes. I mean, I, I always had problems with my bush. My bush was very messy and I always, <laughs> I was always trying to enlist members of the audience to trim my bush, um, much to the dismay of my husband at the time. We, yeah, we actually had a few, um, we had a few celebrities come in, which was quite exciting. I remember on the last day I turned around, we had a house full of people. I turned around to this lady who was wandering into my home and I asked her if I could help her if what she was doing in my house. And it turned out to be Ruby Wax. Oh, who's that? Tell us who's that. You don't know who Ruby Wax is? Ruby Wax. Is she American? Yes, yeah, she is. She's a comedian. and Ruby Wax. I don't know who that is. Quite, oh, my goodness. You must Google her. She's quite an outspoken, um, forward-thinking comedian. Yeah, you need to, you need to Google her. I'm going to Google her, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet I, I'll bet I, I will recognize her face. But yeah, you definitely name. will. You definitely yeah. will. Um, so, yeah, that was that was... A very exciting experience. And we actually had Bob Geld came along for three of the shows. And Bob Geld is the writer and producer of the films, Back to the Future, the films. Oh, I know who Bob Geld is. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, He's a writer? Now, I thought uh, of the film. I thought, uh, oh, what's his name? The guy who did, uh, I can't think of his name right now, but I didn't think it was Bob Geld. As yeah. the director. I thought it was... Uh, no, not the director. He wasn't the director. He was the writer and producer. Oh, producer. I thought you said uh -huh. director. Sorry. Okay. Now that's cool. So, yeah. So he came along on three of the nights and I didn't realize who he was on the first night. I thought he must have been an important person because he was brought to me by a member of the crew. I okay. thought he was a, a member of the press. So I, I flirted outrageously with him and got him to sit down in my very comfortable bed, which I'd broken in, um, asking, asking him if he was married and all these kind of things and telling him he should come and visit me and... And then I realized who he was and he actually wrote me a letter um, just just a few days ago to say <laughs> what a memorable experience it was and how much he enjoyed meeting me. <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. So, yeah. So, yeah, that was fun. So let me see if I understand how this works. The audience is seated or they walk around to, through the set and interact with the players. Yeah. So um, they they come into a town as you would any town. And they can, it's up to them what they do. They can go and sit on the lawn. There's no, there's no seating as such. Um, when they actually, when the film is playing, they, they can sit where they like, but it's, there's, it's outdoors. So they can sit in walls. They can sit on some benches that are around. They can sit on the it's grass. It's like a theme park, like Disney World. Absolutely. And they okay. just, they come and they, they can either be really interactive and get as much out of it as possible. And they can meet the characters from the film. So we had Marty McFly walking around, George McFly. Um, Biff was going around beating everybody up. Um, you know, all these different things. The headmaster was putting people in detention, Mr. Strickland. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, it's how much you want to get out of it. So some people did just come place their little mats on the lawn and sit down with their picnics and just wait for the film to start. 
um, yeah. whereas other people really got involved, and those are the people who get more out of it. Oh, so there was a screen that actually showed the movie. Yeah, eventually. So the the movie came on. Um, there was maybe two or three hours of pre-narrative activity going on, and then okay. um, after after that, then we kind of gathered everybody in for the mayor's speech, and then the screen um, started up. We don't have anything like that here in the states. Well, no, but you will do. You will do. Look out for secret cinema. All right. <laughs> it's on its okay. way over. Okay, we are ready. <laughs> now, um, we have a little, we've come to this uh, portion of the interview where we want to do a little free association with you, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. What, what I'm going to do is just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some names at you, and I want you to react. First thing that comes to your mind, you can say one word, you can say two or three words. Uh, we just want to keep the pace really brisk. Okay. Okay. So... Anna, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. Sean Connery. Sexy voice. Sir Patrick Stewart. X-Man. Australia. Hot and surfing. Margaret, Margaret Thatcher. Iron Fist. Benny Hill. <sighs> Silly Tune. Yoko Ono. Oh, uh, I want to say Star Wars. <laughs> Yoko Ono. Uh, the Beatles. Yeah. <laughs> Simon Cowell. X Factor. Star Wars Episode 7. What? <laughs> <laughs> Justin Bieber. Oh, annoying. Emily Blunt. Great voice. Idris Elba. Not quite sure. Okay. Uh, that's oh it. My that God. was easy. That was pretty good. You did great. I do like Star Wars. It's just I when you say number seven, I can't think which one that was. Oh, that's the one that hasn't been released yet. Oh, okay. Okay. That's why I was going, which one is that one? So let's do a pickup on that. Anna, Star Wars episode seven. Can't wait. All right. <laughs> that one makes a little more sense. Okay. All right. Okay. So Anna. Thank you very much for spending time with us. No, thank you. It was great. Really interesting. Now, how can our listeners uh, follow your projects? I mean, I know you've got a you've got a Twitter, you got a Facebook, you got a YouTube channel. How can they uh, keep up with what you're doing? Um, okay, so if they're interested in elocution, then um, the website for that is elocutiononline.com. Um, otherwise. I, like you said, just come and find me on Facebook, um, Anna Tyree Official Facebook, um, or on Twitter. Just type in, I think it's Anna underscore Tyree at Twitter. Um, like you said, YouTube again. On YouTube, I'm slightly different. I've got Anna, another thing. Do you get it? Anna, another thing. Anna, can you spell that for us? So it's Anna, my name, A-N-N-A, then a, a space, and then it's another thing, like another thing. And another thing. All right. <laughs> See what I've done there? Yeah. I, 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 oh, my gosh. That's brilliant. <laughs> you should trademark that right away. Absolutely. It's already, it's already been filed. <laughs> okay, Anna, everyone who comes into the pickup interview, we found, we've discovered, well, they, all were, they always knew, that there, there is some talent that they have. 
Uh, we've had harmonica players. We've had impressionists. And I understand, Anna, that you are a singer. That's right. Okay, so will you play us out with a song? Oh, talk about putting someone on the spot. <laughs> I know. That's what the pickup is all about. Uh, it doesn't have to be long. Okay. It doesn't have to be... Uh, okay, so, okay, so get, uh, t- t- set it up for us and then go ahead and, and rip one for us. I'll give you my Jessica Rabbit. Okay. You have plenty money, 1922. You let other women make a fool of you. Why don't you do right like some other men do? Get out of here. Get me some money too. 